0: Welcome to Edge of the Headlights Podcast. My name is Rob, and that's all you're going to get tonight because Marty's not here. <laughs> Marty is on vacation. So, yeah, he does occasionally need a break for me. It feels like I'm talking to myself. It's just really weird in the studio right now without him. It's all quiet, no background noise. Dogs are quiet. The kids, even gone. The wife's gone. So, I get the studio all to myself. So, what are we going to talk tonight, folks? I think we should talk about. Missing people. That's one of my favorite things to talk about. Better than Bigfoot, aliens, I like talking about missing people that have never been found. So we're going to talk about four or five different cases. The first one we're going to start off with is Sally Klump. Not from like Eddie Murphy's Klump, but that is her last name. Sally Klump was a 35-year-old female who went missing on January 18, 1978. She left her house without any money and the clothes. On, she had clothes on her back but no money. The sheriff's department thought it was first at all from a domestic abuse and she just walked out because she was pissed off at her husband. But a lot of people said she wasn't that way. And the really weird thing about this is her husband didn't report her missing until five days after she went left the house. A lot of people believe she could like walk down to the Interstate 10, which is really close, and probably hitchhike away with someone. These cases are going to be really short to the point because I'm here by myself. But the funny thing is also her husband Wayne and his brother Wally were both back in the paper again on June 24th, 1992. That's when they took on the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management over grazing rights and made a big ruckus. So now we're going to talk about Larry Lawrence Cosden, a 69-year-old man who went missing September 17th or then September 17th or 19th of 2015 depends on which paper you look in. He was went to this park, National Park while hiking, and he was hiking with his cat. That's the only person that came with him was his cat. This was verified by another hiker that saw Lawrence with his cat as he was walking down a path near Rustlers Park. It also is determined by the National Park Service that Lawrence Cosden died based on circumstantial evidence. Now I find this really weird. Because the state has a five-year waiting period before they can say someone is dead if they're missing. And this happened like almost immediately. And this was, yeah, this is just weird to me because why would the national, the state get involved with it and say, hey, he's dead. But there is some inclination that his sister, who is the controller of his estate now at the time, said, yeah, just to say he's dead. So I find that another weird thing that, The state would be involved in that much and would just say, hey, he's dead. The next case we're going to talk about is Lydia, also known as Janet Casterijan, who went missing June 19, 2015, while visiting Rustler's Park. Lydia's father told deputies that his wife needed to use a bathroom, a park restroom, while his 44-year-old daughter waited outside. But when his wife came back out, Lydia was gone. Lydia is described as a vulnerable adult at, a, at special risk because of a brain injury. There was some closure to this case because in 2018, bone fragments were found in a remote, remote part of the area and DNA proved that they were Lydia, Janet, Costa, and Jermains. Now, I find this interesting because where, when they say remote, they don't give an exact location. I looked it up and looked it up and there's like no exact location where her body was found. And I understand that she was a, they said like she was a special needs person and at risk, at risk adult. But I'm pretty sure she had enough common sense not to wander away from the bathroom where her mother was, and her plus her father was right next to it with his car, so he would have seen her walk away and say something. You would think. But that's another weird case, like a lot of these missing people cases. People do inexplicable things like. Why do we walk away? Why don't you notice people walking away just around the corners like poof they're gone. Now I'm going to talk about Paul Fugati, I think that's how you say it, who went missing on january thirteenth, nineteen eighty. Paul Paul was a national park ranger for the Chiricahua National Monument, who went out on a solo patrol and never returned. This wasn't really un- unusual even nowadays at all national parks for Rangers go out by themselves, go walk down a trail and say, hey, I'm going to go check this out. And the person he was working with really didn't think anything was out of normal because he said, and Paul's last words were him if I'm not back by 4.30, lock up the office. Paul left. Paul had a key to get back in if he showed up later. And inside his office, he left his money, his wallet, basically everything identification because he knew he was coming back or acted like he was. The Chikara... it. Chicago National Park covers twelve thousand acres, and has complex terrain and most famous for its balancing rock formations. An acquaintance, the weird thing about this is, there's an acquaintance of Paul who stated to the sheriff's department that he later saw Paul again slumped between two men in a pickup truck. This thought, this is all the people thought. Oh, he just ran away in that because he was his lifestyle was a lot different than most people. He was considered a nonconformist at the time. He had long hair, and he actually pushed against the standards of the National Park Service, like with his—he had a slight like beard and long hair. Pretty much, he looked like a hippie, is what the National Park Service said. So he was not against the rules, but he was pushing very hard against them rules to be like, "Hey, I'm a nonconformist. You're, I know what I'm doing. You're gonna still have to pay me." So the funny thing about all these four cases—one with Sally, Lydia. Paul, and Lawrence, they all happened in Coxice County, Arizona. I just can't seem to get away from Arizona because every time I start looking at missing people, the really weird cases seem to be coming out of Arizona. And my philosophy is everything wants to kill you in Arizona. So this maybe is why the people disappeared. It's like with the Lawrence guy, I don't know. He went hiking with his cat. I'm not much of a cat person. But if his cat got very temperamental and ran out the trail, he probably followed him and he probably got in some trouble that way. Sally Clump, um, I would have to say that's a brain scratcher there. And Paul Fugate. He was basically people that you never he's actually if you look in the missing four one one stuff, Paul is considered the first and only National Park Ranger to have gone missing and not been found. There was one other case where Ranger did go missing, but his remains were found like five years later. I can't think of the guy's name right now. So now, since we're in Arizona and everybody knows that, we're going to go talk about Carol Turner. Now, with Carol Turner, she disappeared on January 31st, 1971, in the Oregon Pipe National Monument area. In Wilcox, oh, P, sorry, Pima County, Arizona. Carol's that most of this information I'm going to get is from strangeoutdoors.com. That's where I got most of this article information from. Basically, Carol was a, people considered her somebody, she's like hiking by herself, intermediate hiker. She was a naturalist by heart, and this is what happened to her. Carol stayed in the main visitor's campground up to February 2nd. And went hiking in the dripping springs area spoke with a ranger and asked for hiking suggestions on either the first or second she hiked up to bull pasture in the ajo mountains and returned there on the third the second trip was the last time that carol was seen alive despite a massive search in the area bull pasture is described as an intermediate and gradual and gradually climbs up to the rim of a canyon with little shade the trail continues along the ridge for a while with probably the best views of the entire monument area. Before the area was a national monument, ranchers brought their cattle up here during the winter, which gave the, this area its name. The trail is popular for birding and for wildfires in spring. The next day, February 3rd, a park ranger saw Carol's car in Bull Pasture, Bull Pasture Trail parking lot with a note on the windshield. It said something to the fact that this car was still here on the 4th that the Park Ranger should be contacted and she was and that she was a solo hiker only her boots and canteens were missing from the car indicating she was likely to go on a day hike only as she had on the prior days see i find it at least she was smart enough to leave a note behind and say hey if you run across this and this note's still here on this date come look for me she left messages in the trail registers that the bull park pasture had and up in pasture up in the pasture itself one said hi if you have binocs, look for a white shirt or yellow windbreaker across the way and say hello. Another more odd entry was, I brought the beer. Where where were you? Paraphrased. This was paraphrased by third-party accounts. So, I'm just I'm reading this article and I'm coming up to them like, Why would she say, hey, if you have binos, look across the way to see if you can see me? Was she expecting to meet someone there? No one knows for sure. The search was the largest and probably still is in the monument history, with 134 people involved over 3,600 hours. As well as the monument rangers, several state and tribal agencies and volunteers assisted over a two-week period to try and find Carroll. Aircraft and specialist rock climbers were used to check the more difficult terrain in the southern part of the Azul Mountains, but they found nothing. Eight to ten days after Carroll vanished, a park ranger caught an odor that he recognized from the past experiences, and he believed was a dead body on monday february fifteenth supervisor ranger hal koss and others in his team confirmed this distinct human corpse odor which was very strong the search was intensified in the area but without success the following day ranger koss after flying the area in a border patrol plane led an eight-man search team back over the area they too observed the odor in the same location but this time more occasionally and not as distinct. Others, others in the group describe this strange area as very weird and scary, according to a report from Pima County that author David Polides 411 read, uh, read on his KMN Missing YouTube channel. According to Rod Brolls, chief ranger of Org, Organ Pipe, what may have happened is she wandered away from the basin of Bull Pasture and somehow injured herself. Perhaps she slipped and fell off a cliff. February 3rd, was a cold, bluster day, and to get out of the bad weather, she crawled into one of the hundreds of tiny caves that lined the cliffs. Denth brush grew grew right up against the cave entrance, and there she died. The brush has hidden the, the grave from our searchers, and so we haven't found her. It's nearly 50 years since Carol Turner vanished, and no sign of her has ever been found. Although her mother felt that she may have been abducted during her visit, there is never any evidence to support this. All right, so I know what a lot of you guys are probably thinking. On all these cases, like the 2015 case with Lawrence Cosden and Lydia Janet John who also went disappearing in 2015. Most of your SARS people are very intelligent, like I always say, and anytime I talk about missing 411, they're very intelligent, thorough, and know what the hell they're doing. So, dogs. A lot of people think cadaver dogs are the way to go. But the funny thing about carol's case was it happened in 1971 cadaver dogs weren't even in use then they weren't even thought of at that time and with paul Fuga, in 1980 this actually if you look up on the internet do a few keystrokes you'll come up with like in 1980 there was actually cadaver dogs just being started to be used but they were used mostly by the police force and most of them were like multi-use dogs, like, like a drug dog and a cadaver dog, like during drug business. So what could have, let's eliminate some of the possibilities of what happened. Yeah, one with the Sally Klump case, that could have been just pure and simple domestic abuse, husband killed her, I don't know, I'm not alleging anything, that that could have possibly happened, because he waited five days before he re- reported her missing to the authorities. So that's five days. That's a long, long time in a missing person's case. Then you have Lawrence Cosden. A lot of people, I don't know about him. Just from the picture they put out, kind of makes you want to feel like, yeah, he has a. If you look up a picture of him, you look up Lawrence Cosden, and you find a picture of him, he has like crazy ass, wild hair, glasses. He just looks like a crazy person. And Lydia, we all knew from her parents knew that she was uh, an endangered, at-risk adult because of a brain injury. And there, it could have got, she could just walked away and could have been a mental issue. Or like, then um, I don't I don't always buy what the National Park Service says. Because, especially like on his case, where they said, oh, his sister came in and was a state owner. And all of a sudden, like, yeah, he's dead circumstantial evidence yeah he died he died but a lot of things like a lot of people if you like in arizona where this is mostly this happened it's right on the southern tip of arizona and it's right next to the mexican border and a lot of people are out there saying yeah it's drug runners they ran across people that were running drugs across the border and they were killed but if they were to do that they you don't think they'd the cadaver dogs like especially like in 2015 if that happened with lawrence cosden they would have found him already then you also have people oh i don't know because like with the carol turner case i go into the portal theory that i have because yeah they smelt this rotting body and they searched this area and i'm given the sars guys even probably back then knew their shit because they didn't, couldn't find a body, even with the smell that was strong. And if you've ever been around something that's rotting, like you come across the woods and you come across like a dead rabbit, dead deer, that is a really pungent smell. And you can usually find, figure out pretty fast where that smell is coming from. So that's just a few of the cases that are missing 411 that piqued my interest. I know they're kind of short, and this is going to be a really short episode unless I can come up with some other stuff. But for right now, that's think about this could have aliens been involved or whatever else and there's also reports out there that see from where organ pipe national monument is and the chikarara however you say that national park there's like three hours apart from each other but there's also supposedly cavers say that there's a cave system that connects it could there been something like when they said she fell in the cave system could something got her that way so why is everybody so drawn to these missing 411 cases? And I would have to say, personally, my reason is just that. I don't, I don't understand how somebody can just up and disappear with witnesses around. It is one of the most baffling things that have been hitting the internet and all the interwebs and all that stuff since David Polites came out with these. What are your guys' think that's causing this? I would want to know. Email us. And let us know what you think, because I want this is something that seems like a topic I cannot get away from. And Marty would say the same thing. It is just so inexplicable that this is happening. what does our government actually know, or do they not know anything at all? Which would be scarier yet, because do they know what's causing these people and why? Why does it always seem to be like certain ones, like with Miss, like Lydia, and there's like elderly people are always seem to be the one or really young. But the one that sticks out is the Paul guy, Paul Fugate. He was a ranger for the National Park Service and they just seemed like, well, eh, he's disappeared. He's a nonconformist. Could it be because they didn't really care for him that much because he was a nonconformist and pushed back against the set boundaries and rules that they set and that they really didn't care because there was a part of it if you really dig into his case on the internet unless you get the case files, it basically... They gave his wife, Dottie, benefits for a couple of years because they said, yes, he died. And they're giving him benefits for, there's the benefits you get. Then like two years later, like, nope, he's still, he, we're taking away the benefits. Then another couple of years later, they turn around, yeah, we'll just give you benefits again. So what do they know? and Why are they acting so weird? If you like want somebody to stop talking about something, you just go with the flow and say, hey, just here, take this money and shut the hell up. Could it be aliens that have abducted these people or taken these people? Or is it just something as simple as drug runners and somebody being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Because I can see in 1971, there wasn't really much of a notified drug problem that we were told about. But in the 1980s, that's when Coke was really first starting to make a big impact and coming into the United States from South America. So it could probably, Paul could probably have been somewhat possibly taken care of with a drug runners could have ran across something and that would have been it. But I just don't know. <laughs> it's not fucking normal at all. Which I like but scares me. So if you have any ideas, email us with your ideas of what could have possibly happened. And like the old saying goes, fuck normal. Bye. Bum bum that the episode was done. It's not, because I just came across this article that someone gave me, and it's from the Watertown Public Opinion. It's dated Tuesday, October eleventh, 1983. Is It Haunted? By Rick Hofer of the P.O. Staff Writer. Strandberg, the old Nevins place set atop a small hill overlooking the rolling prairie landscape. Its windowless frames stare at a lonely gravel road that inches past the house and its adjacent barn the house's crude rock and cement foundation is a typical of construction techniques used in the late eighteen hundreds and the building's weather beaten exterior gives it an eerie almost mysterious look the nevins place is a type of building local ledges are made from could it be haunted? Some say it is. Others insist there is nothing to the stories of the strange lights and weird sounds that have been reported coming from the now-abandoned buildings. And still others say, well, they just don't know. Jack Weber has heard many of these stories about the farmhouse and his, his grandfather helped build south of this Grant County farming town. The stories of the strange happenings have, over the years, helped make the Nevins place a source of mystery and speculation. There was, when the house was built, supposed to be a grave on the hill, Weber says. The old-timers being that they were, uncovered the bones while they were digging out the basement, then put them in a box, and then buried it in the basement. The people who used to live there say that the corner of the basement never gets hard. Poor, it never gets hard. The legend, Weber says, is that the bones in the basement belonged to an Indian woman, but who she was and the tribe she belonged to and how and when she died have remained unknown. What is known, though, is that ever since the house was built, there have been reports of strange happenings connected to it. Footsteps and other noises coming from the empty rooms, lights appearing from the windows while nobody was home, doors opening and closing by themselves, and finally reported sightings of a pearl-white woman standing at the top of the stairs. The weirdest thing that is supposed to have happened there, Weber said, happened once or twice when one of his, his two brothers were living there he had a cream separator in the basement and he'd take the milk down there from the barn separate it and go back to feed out to feed the calves the separated milk to calves feed the separated milk to the calves once he came back to the basement the door was shut and had been hooked from the other side nobody's around just him he had to go around the house and down through the trap door into the cellar he found that the 6 inch iron hook had been dropped through the eye of the lock, and supposedly one of the large milk cans full of cream was sitting against the door. Weber admits he doesn't really know if any of those stories are true, but he does know what he and his brothers have seen. We were coming home late at night, and when you come from the south, you can see the house on the hill from a couple miles away. Once in a while, you can see the light up there, but but I guess it never had the desire to go up there. One time, my brother did, and he got... The farm, as the farmyard, close as the farm, as the farmyard farm, farm gate before he stopped. The light had disappeared by the time he figured that since the light was gone, there was no reason to go up there. Are the story and legends true? Reuben evans who lives now lives in the Goodwin, was raised in the house and says he doesn't know. He said he can't recall the story of the woman at the top of the stairs, and the story about the locked door came from his brother, who now lives in Sioux Falls, in the Sioux Falls area. The only odd thing Reuben Nevins says he could remember about the house were some strange kind of noises in the basement, which he said were too hard to describe. Is the house on the hill haunted, or are the stories that have circulated years just that? Stories. Nobody has a desire to bother anything. whatever said to, of the house has been said of the house has been banned for about two decades now. It's one of those things that enough weird things have happened. The locals leave the darn thing alone. All right. I'm going to pull out a call out to some of our local listeners that listen in Stockholm, Strandberg. You know who you are. If you can pinpoint me, I grew up in the Stockholm area. If you could pinpoint to me where this Nevin's place is, I would love to go see if it's still there and check it out and see if some of the stories are true. And then we get back on the podcast and we'll tell you if anything happened. I'll even send Marty up there as bait. I'll even put a pork chop around his neck and say, go. So, like I said before, fuck normal. Bye.